The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. It's great seeing everybody this morning. Hey, this morning um, we're going through uh, this Gospel of Matthew, and uh, we're at a really cool part. In fact, we're looking at a passage that was one of the first things I read in the Bible. Uh, and it really stuck with me. And all these years, uh, you know, I've, I've read it many times. You have as well. Uh, you've probably heard this topic in some detail. But I've got to just tell you, it, uh, every time I visit it, it really just speaks to my heart. It's such a profound topic. And it's the topic of stewardship. Everybody say stewardship. Stewardship. stewardship you know, we, we refer to this because it's a biblical term. But we don't really use this in life a lot. We don't use this word steward a lot. In fact, the only time we use the word steward is when we talk about when we're flying on an airplane, and of course you have either a steward or stewardess, right? That's about the only time we use that term. But I want you to think about that for a minute. I'm sure you've been on different kinds of flights. Some flights may be great. Some flights may be horrendous. Um, But imagine yourself, you're on a flight, the plane takes off, and you got this 12-hour journey, and they never bring you any water. And the air conditioner is really cold, and they don't bring you a blanket. And then they have a movie to play, but they don't even give you any headset. Now, if that happened to you, if that was your experience on a plane, could we blame the pilot for that? No, we can't blame the pilot. Could we blame the, uh, the mechanic who worked on the plane for that? No. Whose job is that, that everyone has a great, beautiful journey in the sky for that 13 hours? That would be the role of the steward or the stewardess. That's their role. That's what they've been given to do. Now, if you have a great steward or stewardess on a plane, they make your flight wonderful. They come back and give you your chips and your water, whatever it is when you need. Would you like another one? Sure, I'll be right back. What can I get you? I'd like a blanket. Can I have a second one, please? Sure, here you go. How about a pillow? Yeah, absolutely. And you have a very enjoyable flight. And again, that wouldn't be because of the pilot and it would not be because of the mechanic who worked on that plane or did the maintenance. It's because of the steward or the stewardess because that's their role is to do this profound thing to make the journey better for everybody. Um, I looked up the word steward because we don't use it. I looked it up in the thesaurus and, and what it gave for a comparable term that we would understand for a steward is a, is a park ranger. A park ranger, same thing. If you went to the park, And whatever park you visited was absolutely chaotic and out of order and everybody flipping out and trash everywhere. Whose job would that be? It would be the the park ranger. He's the steward of the park. But if you went and everything was beautiful and it was clean and it made it an amazing experience, like say the Yosemite Valley, you would say, wow, these park rangers are doing an outstanding job. This is amazing. I want to say that quite simply because I believe God has tasked you and I with these roles as being stewards so that the journey for us and for everyone around us is completely and entirely different when you and I are stewards. When you and I are not stewards, the journey goes completely differently. And we're going to see that in this passage here. If you guys have your Bibles, you want to turn to Matthew 25, uh, we're going to jump in. Uh, Stewardship is a big part of God's realm, God's economy, God's kingdom. And Jesus has been teaching about the kingdom. He's been teaching about something very distinctly leading up to this. He's been teaching, the disciples said, what's it going to be like when you come back? What are the signs? Like, how are we going to know the signs of your return? 
And Jesus told them about the signs of his return in chapter 24. And now he's telling them about an expectation of children of God. If you are in Christ, if you've said yes to Jesus, if you've entered into his kingdom, then there's some expectations of God's children. And this is the way we live. It's the way we do life. This stewardship thing is a hardwired part of who we are. Like we, we get it. And in the passage, we're going to see some who really get it and some who don't really get this. And, and it's a monumental difference because some step into a realm of stewardship that's pleasing God, and others just completely disregard stewardship. So let's jump in. We're going to look at it in sections. If you have your Bible or how you read your word on your phone, your device, we'll also uh, put it up here. We're talking about getting invested uh, in the things of God, in God's kingdom, in God's ways, in God's realm, uh, the way Jesus is calling us to do it. So Matthew 25, we're going to pick up in verse 14, and it starts like this. This is what the kingdom of God's all about, Jesus says. Again... It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey, and the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. How many of you guys are familiar with this passage? How many of you guys have read this? I I love this one because one of the first things I read in the Bible was this, and I I got it. Like, it it made sense, and it kind of spoke to me and shook me and woke me up a bit to this realm of God, this kingdom of God is the realm of God. We've explained before, all of these parables, including this, describe the realm of God, the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, which is not just heaven when you get there, it's the journey along the way. It's who gets in, how they get in, what the realm is like. It's the blessings, protections, provisions, but also expectations of those who live in the realm of the kingdom, which is simply by entered by saying yes to to Jesus. He's the door, and we can only enter through him, and then we live this whole life in the realm of the kingdom. Even though we're in this world, we're not of it. We're living in the kingdom, and ultimately, we will see him face to face in eternity. Now, how many of you guys know that life is really, really short, and eternity is really, really long? Life is really, really short, and eternity is really, really long. And so the kingdom is to be lived out for the glory of God and the fullness of everything that God has for you, yet... Eternity is really long, and it's going to be lived out in a whole nother eternal sense, and Jesus talks about that even in this passage. But the story starts with a man going on a journey, man going on a journey, and Jesus just talked about him coming back. And what he had just said before this is, when I come back, some people are going to think the Lord has taken a long, long time. And some of you might think, when is the Lord coming back? He's taken a long, long time. Jesus said that's exactly what people will think and feel. He told us that's what people will already think and feel. When is Jesus coming back? He's taken a long time. Jesus said that's what it will be like. The kingdom of God will be exactly in that setting where people will be going, how long is it going to take for him to come back? Uh, The story begins with a man going on a journey, which is Jesus who came and said, I'll be back. And people are still waiting, saying, when is he going to come back? That's the kingdom of God. And he gives us, this man who goes on a journey, uh, the Greek word, uh, some of your translations say talents, 
Um, but the Greek word is talenton, and that's where we get our word talent from. That's why some of your translations say he gave some this many talents and this many talents and this many talents. The Greek word means a measure, a sum. It, it, it's, it, it's an amount of weight that you would even balance a scale with. It's a very important amount because it's the only way to have true scales. And so it's a balance and it's a mount. So, so the best way to look at this is it's a sum. It's a sum weight, but it's a sum weight of talents. It's a sum weight of gifts. And, and these were given out according to the passage, and that's why some translations call it a sum of money, bags of gold, or just talents. It's an endowment. It's a, it, it's a gift. It's something that's been graced uh, to you and I, and it's highly valuable and highly important. So each of us in this room has been given a sum of talents, a sum of talents. Everyone in this room has been given a sum of talents. And I don't know about you, but with talents, a lot of times we don't even recognize our talents. I mean, a lot of times we have certain talents and certain gifts and we take them for granted. Like you might see somebody like a kid running really fast and you might say, hey, you should you know, get involved in track, and they're like, ah, you know, why? Because to them, it's easy to run, and it doesn't feel like a talent, and that's why they take it for granted. Or somebody who's really smart in a certain area, or really discerning, or somebody who's really gifted in in creativity. You can see profound gifting sometimes in other people, because we don't have those gifts, and we look at them, and we go, wow, that is profound. You're gifted, but oftentimes, they take it for granted, and that's why one of the biggest shames and biggest crises it's when people have gifting and talent and do nothing with it. They don't do anything with it. There's so many that can be great athletes, but they don't really believe it. Or great artists, they don't believe it. They have amazing gifts of discernment and hospitality or prayer, intercession, spiritual gifts, all the different kind of gifts, the full diversity of giftings, and some don't even recognize or appreciate the gift. And that's really where it begins because the master has given these gifts to us. And he's going away on a journey, a long journey is what this tells us. And so the first step, if you guys are a note taker, I'd encourage you to write a few key steps down. This will help completely change your life when it comes to stewardship. And I would encourage you that stewardship is not this optional thing. We're going to see today that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you're somebody who has said yes to Jesus, what Jesus is going to tell you and I today is that stewardship is central Central. Everyone say central. central. It's central to those who are in the kingdom. If you're not in the kingdom, stewardship's not expected at all. But if you're in the kingdom, stewardship is expected. And a lot of times we think of stewardship as a very optional thing. Very optional. I don't feel like, well, I think, and I don't know. I'm, you know what, we got a lot of reasons why we feel like our stewardship is randomly optional, but this is going to be a glaring uh, truth that Jesus is calling us, that if you're in the realm of God, if you're in the kingdom, if you're a Christ follower, stewardship is central to the very life he's calling you to. And so the first step is this, if you're a note taker, is God is calling me to identify the sum of gifts, talents, and resources he has given me. The sum, the sum of them. And that's something that maybe you've done before, or maybe you haven't done before, but I think you really should just pray and say, Lord, search me. You know my heart. You know me better than I know myself, God. Show me what my gifts and my talents and resources are. And that varies for all of us in this room, but there have been endowments of God's grace. Even Corinthians said, each has been apportioned. 
a portion. There's been an apportioning of gifts. There's been a distribution of gifts, not only spiritual gifts from the Holy Spirit, but natural gifts and talents and resources that God has graced everyone in this room with. And the first step is to identify, because we will never step into anything if we don't identify and come to terms. The, the people in the story understood very clear, God, you gave me five, I know what they are, I got it. That's where they started. The next guy, God, you gave me two, I see it clear as day, I got it. And the next one got one. And it wasn't a matter of, I don't know if I have any, but I do, and this is what they are. So identification is where it begins. Figure out, ask God, what are my sum of gifts? What are the endowments God has given me? And I believe that would include gifts and talents and resources. The endowments of God's grace that are represented in your life in every form and fashion. Every form and fashion. Again, it could be athletic gift. God gave it to you for a reason. It could be a creative gift. Certainly spiritual gifts. Wisdom, discernment, hospitality. So many things um, God has put into us. And we're going to see he builds on that. Uh, But years ago in my life, before I actually knew Christ, before I... um, entered into relationship with him. I mean, I, of course, I heard about God and the Bible and Jesus, but I never gave my life to him. I wasn't in the realm of the kingdom. I was outside of the kingdom of God. But uh, I worked at this place where uh, one guy who worked there, he was a young Christian, and everybody knew he was a Christian. And he walked around with joy. He had the worst job in the dealership. He had to like, like uh, clean the floors and empty the trash cans, and everybody's making way more money than this guy. He walked around, joy of the Lord, whistling, singing, and like, everyone's like, dude, we want what you have. Like, you have this joy. You're just walking around with this overflow of joy and peace. And no one in the whole dealership had what this guy had. But he just loved the Lord. He was doing his job. But he ended up putting a scripture on the mirror. And everyone, at the end of the day, had to use this mirror. And you couldn't get around this scripture that he stuck on there. And I guess out of respect, no one wanted to scrape it off or take it off. It was like taped on or glued on or something. Um, but it was a scripture out of Luke twelve forty-eight: 48. Uh, to whom much is given, much is expected. Some translations say to whom much is given, much is required. And again, I was not in the realm of the kingdom. I was not walking with Jesus. I was living large, living my own life, doing my own thing. But I couldn't deny the fact when I saw this every day, how do I like use the mirror without looking at this? I didn't want to look at it because God was clearly telling me through the scripture, Brian, I gave you stuff and I expect something with it. And I didn't want to hear that because I wasn't in that zone. If I owned that, I would have to be accountable to that. It was easier for me to look the other way or pretend it's not there, but I couldn't because it was there every day. And this is where my wake-up call started to begin, where God's like, son, I gave you stuff. You know I did. Don't deny it. Acknowledge it and step into it. And I'm like, oh, I'm not ready. I want to do my thing. But when I look at back at the and many of you have this as well, if you look at your journey along the way where God woke you up and called you into faith, there are clearly some markers along the way, these delineated points in your life where you could look back and you could say, I wasn't in the faith yet, but that was a wake-up call, that was a wake-up call, that was a divine appointment, that was, and then finally you said yes. Well, I look back at my life and that scripture on that mirror was exactly one of these holy slaps from the Lord in a good way. Say, son, I love you. I know you better than yourself. Your ways are futile. My ways are great. 
come to terms with gifting, start there. You know you got some, walk this way with them. And I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. And that was my biggest regret is delaying and delaying and delaying the call of God. I believe that's the biggest travesty in anyone's life is when you hear the tug or the call or you hear the voice or the prompting and you delay and delay and delay your commitment to Christ. That is the biggest travesty. And I lived it. So um, I'm talking about it. But this is important. So our second point today, when it comes to um, investing and getting invested for the glory of God, for living in the kingdom, in the realm that God's calling you to live, the way he's calling you to live, the second point is come to terms with this scripture. To whom much is given, much is expected. That's Luke 12, 48. Much is required. That's, That's Jesus saying that to us. This isn't some random happenstance, like, I don't know how you feel about some of the things you have, but just think about them, that's all. I don't know how you feel about using any of them, but just consider that. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, I intentionally gave you things. I intentionally gave you gifts and talents and resources, and had you born in the family you were born, in the time like this, with the people around you, very intentionally, by design. And because it's by design, there's an intention with the giver of the gift for reason and purpose, not random happenstance, very intentional. And it begins right here, not only identify, but know to whom much is given, much is expected, because I don't know about you, but that started to motivate me. It started, I didn't want it to, but it started to motivate me because the word of God doesn't return void. When it goes out, when God sends it forth, the Bible says, like a holy boomerang, it comes back and it does everything he sent it to do. Uh, you know, we were at the beach uh, recently, a couple of weeks ago, and I watched this guy throwing these boomerangs, and you don't get to see this very often, but literally this guy's throwing these things, and they're just going like 50 yards, and they're just going, and they're coming back, and he's catching them, and you're like, that is crazy crazy how these things work, but the Bible says the word of God is like a holy boomerang. God sends it forth and everything will return, you know, everything's going to pass, the earth, the flowers, the fields, everything, except for the word of God. It's going to come back and it's going to accomplish everything God intended it to do in the lives and the generations that he intended. The word of God does not return void. It's going to accomplish. So that scripture I read was like a boomerang. And it didn't go away, and I couldn't deny it, and it kept reminding me uh, the call of God in my life that much is going to be expected and required of me, whether I want to accept it or not, that is a truth. See, our version of truth doesn't change the truth. You realize that? Our opinion of truth doesn't change the truth. Truth is truth, and and, and the truth is that there's going to be an expectation of gifting and talent and resources uh, before God. And, and the reason this is so important, the passage tells us why. It says because these things are quote unquote entrusted. Everyone say entrusted. And this is where so many things hinge on this, guys. This is a complete game changer. For me, it was a game changer in my life because I look at, you know, my life, how I came up and what I went through and what I had to do to get ahead. And I, you know, I moved out young and I started doing things young. I bought a condo at 19. I'm working hard. Then I had a house and I had a boat and I, I, I worked very hard and I worked, stayed up late doing stuff and going after things. And I, if you asked me who gave it to you, I would say nobody gave me anything. 
No one gave me anything. If I wanted money for the candy store, I had to scrub bathrooms or shine shoes or do something to get No one gave me anything. And that would be my answer to you. And I would say it with absolute confidence and an absolute conviction. Until God woke me up to some truths and realities about the way this thing really works. And it starts with to whom much is given, much is expected. I started to believe, like many people do, uh, that these things in my life, they're simply mine. I either got them, or I earned them, or I worked for them. It doesn't matter what category you put in. They are mine. And because they are mine, I do whatever I feel like with my stuff, right? Isn't that the way, the way most of the world works, right? I do whatever I feel like with my stuff, period. That's the realm that most people work, live in. However, if you're in the kingdom, the passage is very glaring. If it's God's, passage says entrusted. We just said the word. All this stuff was entrusted. Entrusted. It means we didn't create. Entrusted. If these are entrusted, if they really are God's, wow, if they really are God's, then I do whatever God wants me to do with his stuff. Does that make sense? But if they're mine, I do whatever I feel like with my stuff. But if they're God's, that's really not an option. If it's God's stuff, then I do whatever God wants with his stuff. The, the question is, do I believe they've been entrusted to me or not? Do I believe the Bible or not? Oh God, I believe you in general and I believe these things, but when it comes to stuff and entrusted, no, I, it's my stuff, I made it, I earned it, I fought for it, I, I, I designed it, whatever it is, is mine. Or, God, I, I hear you loud and clear. You, you gave me everything. You gave me my birthday. You told me when I was going to be born. You put the gift mix in me. Uh, the capacity to even go to school or do things or learn, or even if you got a degree and if you learn to make, you know, a million dollars a year, God, who put, the, who put the capacity and wherewithal in you in the first place? You didn't do that. I didn't do that. We didn't do any of this stuff. These are things entrusted to us by the sovereign grace of God. So um, you got to ask yourself that golden question, guys. Whose is it anyways? Because I lived outside of that question for a long time. It's, I'll tell you the answer. It's mine. That's whose it is. Until I realized the nature of God and his love and his ways and the truth of his word. And then I had a step over here going, you know what? <laughs> it's not mine. Sorry about that, God. I was living in that camp for a long time. It's, it, it's actually yours. And that is a game changer. That's a complete uh, game changer. I think we have a video that does a great job um, presenting this. Let's check it out. How you doing? You know, I'm going to open a can of worms with this one, I think. This one here is the biggest of a lot of people, all right? So, I'm going to have to forgive me in advance if it stings a little bit. You're going to have to cut me a little slack with some biggest challenges because I never want to do that. No, I don't want to talk about it. things we don't want to talk about. There's a bit of religion and politics. It's one of those things you don't talk about if all you want to do is make friends. No. This one here, this is a little different because the love of this thing, the love of it, you know what I'm saying, is the root of all kinds of evil. But on the other hand, without it, Or how am I going to miss the offering by the time it passes by? 
And of course, the dominant Republican question, how am I going to end this? And how do I keep it from the IRS? Yeah, money. The big, big question. But there's one question that we should have. At least I do. Whose is it? I mean, whose money is it really? That is the million dollar question part of the bottom line. I don't know if someone might say, hey, it's my money because I work hard with this hand. Yeah, who gave me the hands, buddy? Right, you're smarter than some who gave the dreams. You're driven to give me the ambition. Right, I know you can arrange a lot of things on your own, but you can't tell me you can arrange the birthplace, who your parents do, who your friends are going to be, what schools you're going to do, the technology that was going to be, the people that came before you that paved the way, the people are here now, the line below. Ah, you didn't arrange that, did you? Should I get one? No, 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 no. Thanks. You know, I suppose all I'm trying to say is this. Right? I got a good wake up call last year. I got my kid at Xbox 360. I threw it on the floor. Boom, that's yours. I got every possible, imaginable accessory that there is. Everyone you can think of the cordless wireless, the bang bang, the flip flop, the hip yap, everyone you can possibly think of. You threw an HD plasma so everybody can see it beautifully. A couple of dozen games said, hey, we're off to a good start. One day I come home and I said, hey, Simon, why don't I play the game? You're only sitting here on the corner. Maybe Dad can give it a shot. You know what he says to me? No, that's mine. What's your turn? Needless to say, I did a money game on the 360. Now that sucker sits comfortably in my own personal home theater. I'm the one that owns the key. You know why? Because everything in that baby is mine. <laughs> All right. That's truth, right? That's truth. That, that depicts the demeanor of so many of us, especially when we're outside the kingdom. It feels like everything is ours, even the gifts, the talents, the resource, everything, including money, everything we feel is ours. When you step in the kingdom, you're challenged with this question, is it mine or is it not? And I'm saying that because many, even in the church of Jesus Christ, in the kingdom, struggle monumentally with this glaring question, whose is it anyway, and haven't landed yet, or maybe don't want to answer the question, but this passage, Jesus has taken us down a road, and he's going to take us further with this to see how glaring it is. So here's, this is important, guys. Psalm uh, 24.1 says this, and this is the third point this morning. And I believe this to be true because this is a game, it just changed my life and, and my understanding, my worldview and everything. Um, it, it's, the third point is the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and anything. You believe that or you don't. You, you believe it's all yours and the earth is not the Lord, or you believe, uh, you know, it is. And some of us try to go, well, the earth is, but my stuff is mine. And it's like, come to terms with that and ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, where does that come from? Because your word doesn't say that. So where does that come from? And I got to tell you, the Bible says where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Because when it comes to our stuff, our heart is very closely associated. Do you realize that? Our heart, it's almost inseparable from, from stuff sometimes. And when you step into the kingdom and you realize who God is, we, we begin to just live our life for his glory instead of our own. We begin to have this shift when we acknowledge that we're not the king and he is the king. When the earth is the Lord's and everything in it is his, we come to this understanding like, wow, you are the giver of gifts, including every gift, talent, and resource I have. That is true. That is biblical truth, and Jesus is explaining that to those who are in the kingdom. Now listen, in the passage, not everyone fully understands or lives that out, but some do. The true sons and daughters of God understand it and live it out. We're gonna see the guy in the passage who doesn't, he clearly must not be in the kingdom really because he doesn't get any of this and he doesn't live this way. Uh, But this is important. Here it goes in verse 19 and Jesus picks up in the story and says, after a long time, once again, we look at this long time, time that we seem to be waiting after a long time the master of those servants returned 
and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And the man who had two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. So the Lord will return, Jesus, who we know is going to return. He said how, he said when, he said the signs. We looked at some of the signs and significances in the last few weeks of what some of the indications of the Lord's return are. If you're interested in that topic, uh, they're on YouTube or uh, iTunes, but you, you can look at some of the details and the dimensions of what life will look like. And some of these prophecies we're even seeing in our times right now very clearly of what some of the signs and symbols and seasons we will see to discern. But the Lord will return after this long time, and he's going to, quote, unquote, settle accounts. Settle accounts? Oh, like I didn't know there was an account. Well, there is an account. Well, that's a game changer because... If there's not an account, I do whatever I think and feel. If there is an account, if there is an account, maybe I have to be accountable. Amen? If there is an account, maybe I need to be accountable. If there's not an account, then maybe I don't need to be accountable. But, but if there is an account, maybe I need to be accountable. And a lot of us don't think there even is an account or haven't really thought about it too much. And that's why I encourage you from the beginning uh, if, if you want to understand uh, investing for the glory of God, if you want to understand um, these things getting invested for God's glory, literally with your life and being all in, uh, if you want to be a son and daughter who's living to make the Father smile, if you want to live in this zone in the realm of the kingdom that you're called to as a Christ follower, it, it starts with identifying these gifts because guess what? There's going to be some sort of encounter. It says that he's going to verify our stewardship. There's going to be accounting like, oh, I was a good stewardship. I was a good steward, and yeah, I was a good steward. Okay, wonderful. Let's verify. Like literally verify? Yeah, oh yeah. Like I gave it stuff. Let's, let's check. Let's see. This is exciting. Let's see. And some of us are going to go, all right, Lord, here's what you gave me. This is what I tried to do. He's going to go, awesome. That's awesome. Some of us are going to go like, um, I didn't know there was an accounting. You know, I didn't really know. That's why it's so important. This says in verse 14 that he entrusted his servants. Followers of Jesus are servants of God. Verse 14, and he entrusted them. Verse 19, he settled accounts with those same servants. So there will be account, accounting given, and that's why we must be accountable with all that God gave us. So the fourth point is exactly that, guys. There will be an accounting, so I will be accountable uh, with all entrusted to me. Um, there will be an accounting, so I have to be accountable. That's, we should want to be. God, I get it. You gave me stuff. I know it's yours. Of course it's yours. And of course there's going to be an accounting. So I will be accountable. Or we live over here going, you didn't give me anything. Everything I have is mine. And I don't know that there's going to be an accounting or I don't want to hear about there's going to be accounting. So I don't want to be accountable. I would suggest to you, truth is here. Being on the side of God's realm, his favor 
his ways, sons and daughters, servants of Jesus. We live in the kingdom, in the realm of God, and we walk in this area of expectation of God. But with this expectation, guys, is truckloads and tons of blessings and benefits that people miss out on. And they're like, what is it, rules? No, it's not rules. It's rails for healthy living. It's rails for life. It's rails for success in the big picture for the glory of God. And in this realm, there's blessing and there's future and there's hope and there's promise. And outside, there's not, quite simply. And so we have to know there will be an accounting, so I will be accountable. And the way to be accountable is simply, the passage is saying, to be a wise servant, a wise servant. It's interesting, it calls everybody a servant. Um, and, and it's a pretty glaring um, reality. The passage is about these servants. Um, that's another aspect of Christianity that seems to be optional for some reason, not in historic Christianity, not in the early church, not in the first hundred, you know, few hundred years of the church, and not in parts of the world. But in Western or American Christianity, uh, this kind of concept of servant doesn't seem to be central. Um, Jesus is saying, Sons and daughters of the kingdom enter the realm of the kingdom, and it's naturally expected that we're servants of God. That's just the, the word that's given to us. But we even think servant is like, a, yeah, I don't feel like it. That's not really me. And we have this whole optional view of this is just who we are. Jesus said the greatest of all is the servant of all. Jesus said the greatest is the servant. And he said, as you've seen me do, you do also. So I don't know how we disconnect uh, serving from identity who we are as believers, as children of God, but it's central to it. But the wise servants invested faithfully. That was good stewardship. To invest faithfully was good stewardship. And the aim, the aim was increase. Everyone say increase. Increase. Um, God says that it's his desire we bear much fruit, not little much. That's God's terminology, much fruit. So the question is for you and I, what is increase? What is increase? And this is where you get to pray. This is where you get spend some time with the Lord and say, what are my gifts? What are my talents? What are my resources? Lord, I want to be a good steward and I want to step into this thing, this realm. I want to, I want to be a, 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 steward, a steward that's pleasing. I want to be accountable with all you gave me. But, but Lord, you're talking about increase. And how do I leverage this stuff you've given me for increase according to God, the realm of God, the kingdom of God? God, what would you say is increase? And this is where you get to pray and ask the Lord what that looks like. But the Bible tells us in Corinthians that the gifts, the gifts that we've all been given are for the mutual edification of the believers. In other words, the lifting up and the helping out and the encouraging and the fanning of, into flame of all the other believers. In other words, if God has given me any kind of gift of communication, and I don't think I have a great one, but I think I just have a mediocre one, my, my aim with the gift is to bless you and to exhort you and to encourage you if God gave me a gift of communication. Some of you have a gift of intercession and you're praying for others all the time. Thank God for your prayers. We appreciate it profoundly. Some of you have a gift of hospitality and we see that even 
even loving and serving the church after service, trying to bless people with God's love and sharing the welcome and, and the hospitality. That is amazing. Some of you have various different gifts. Some have a, you know, saying, I want to run security. I'll be point outside. I'll sit outside the service and I'll be prayerful and watchful because I want to serve the body by being outside and just making sure everything is safe. And we're like, wow, thank you. That really blesses us. And this is the way the gifts work. Some of you are like, kids, I get kids. Like, I get their language. You know how Dr. Doolittle knew the, langu- the, the language of the animals? It's like, the kids, I get them. I know how they work. And so some are like, you know what? I'm going to give up one Sunday a month, one, and I'm going to go serve the kids over there, and I'm going to share Jesus with the kids. And for the rest of us, and on behalf of the kids who are not always thankful, we say, thank you, thank you for using your gift for the mutual edification that's increased, by the way. How many of you know when the little, let the little ones come unto me and hinder them not? How many of you know that's increase? That's increase. The church is always one generation away from extinction. Do you know that? And when a church stops thinking about the young generation, it's on its way to extinction. But when the church is thinking about the next generation, that's increase. That's passing the torch for the glory of God and raising up a generation. So this is just important stuff. You've got to ask yourself, how can I help growing the kingdom? God's aim is increase. How can I help blessing others? How can I do it? And these are the three questions you might want to ask. How can I, how can I build the kingdom? Uh, how can I uh, build God's people? And how can I spread God's glory? How can I build God's kingdom, this realm of God that I entered into and many have entered into, but so many haven't? God, how do I help build the kingdom? Because the kingdom is your realm, and this is the zone to live in. How do I help build your kingdom? Show me with my gift, talent, and resource what that means. How do I build your people, God? How do I build your people, the family believers? How do I help build up, exhort, help. Some of you, uh, I, I know like when someone's sick in the church or not feeling good, are the first ones to make up some homemade soup or make a cool thing and run it over there. No one even knows about it, uh, but there's that love to just, wow, that is so amazing. That's like the glue. Do you realize that? When you're in Christian community, that stuff is the glue, and not everyone's doing it, but some are like, I'm the first one, and they're whipping up some bone broth, something organic, homeopathic, whatever kind of thing this is with all kinds of crazy stuff, and, and de- like delivering it to help see people get healed and just love them. And you're like, wow, that is the real deal right there. This is mutual edification. How do I build God's kingdom? How do I build God's people? And how do I spread God's glory? How do, God is high and lifted up, but how do I spread God's glory? How do I uh, point everything back to his glory? How do I do that? Some of you, uh, NFL football is going to be starting next week. Can I get a hallelujah? Hallelujah. Um, uh, but anyway, some guys are going to be out there with their athletic gift. And you're like, how is that guy going to give God glory? Okay, somebody's like ripped, they're strong, they're fast, and they're scoring a touchdown. That's not going to matter in 50 years. That touchdown will not matter, and that touchdown will not change lives. And we think, how is that athletic gift going to give God glory? Because some of them, when they get in the end zone, take a knee, and some of them go, it's you, God. What I just did is all you. You gave me these legs. You gave me this opportunity. You gave, it's you, God. And others, they take the glory all themselves. Some take all the glory themselves. They pull their shirt open like they're Superman. You seen that? You're like, really? Really? So you're Superman. Uh, you know, but some do all kinds of stuff to take the glory of themselves, and others reflect all the glory to God. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. If you gave me wheels, God, 
It's for your glory. If you gave me tempo, if you gave me ability, if you gave me the ability to jump over people and go around people and defy all these tackles, it's all for your glory. And I think that's another way that we can use every gift and talent and resource we have for the glory of God. And some people step into that and some still haven't. So here's our fifth point this morning is this, and we're going to move along with this pretty quickly, is this, God is calling me to prayerfully invest and listen and to do so immediately. God is calling me to prayerfully invest and do so immediately. It says in the passage, it says in the passage, very clear for all of us to see, that when the master gave the gifts, the endowments, the gold, the value, the sum of talents to his servants, it says, the first thing it says is at once. Everyone say at once. I see what you gave me. I clearly recognize what it is. I clearly recognize it's from you. The next step was at once. I'm going to prayerfully invest, but I'm going to do it at once. Some of your translations say immediately. Immediately at once. You gave this to me. This is no joke. This is serious opportunity. Thank you. I want to get down to business immediately right away. I'm not going to procrastinate this. So wise servants, guys, they invest immediately. Uh, They do it at once. They put their gifts to work. Put them to work. Put them to work somehow, some way. Just pray about what? Put them to work. Here's the problem. Some people wait for the perfect opportunity. (laughs) How many of you know sometimes the perfect opportunity never comes? In in our mind, what the, the perfect opportunity would be like, I would get to, you know, like do this someday, maybe like that, and maybe I'll get... That may never come. And Jesus didn't tell his apostles, just sit down and wait, maybe someday the perfect opportunity will come. He didn't tell that to anybody in the church. Pastors, prophets, nobody wait for the perfect opportunity. You step into it immediately with the gifting of God and we do it by faith, not by sight. We do it by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. So with this gifting, we step in immediately, not haphazardly, prayerfully and immediately. That's what we're called to do. Um, Time is of essence when it comes to this stuff. You don't wait for the perfect opportunity. Some have said, and I've talked to people, you know, oh yeah, well, you know, what my plan is, is like, you know, I'm going to win like a Grammy, and when I get the Grammy and I'm like famous, then I'm going to like use my platform, you know, for, for God's glory, like with my platform when I finally get there. Or if I get an Oscar, you know, I'll like get an Oscar or something, and then when I get that and I'm famous, then I'm going to like, it's like, that's not stewardship. That's not immediately, that has nothing to do with the realm of God. That's, I'm going to focus on my life, my things, my stuff, and when I feel that I get to some point then... I'll think about stepping into um, this realm, stepping into this realm. Um, yeah, so um, just saw a movie recently. Uh, I saw it again. I saw it a long time ago, Book of Eli. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie, Book of Eli. Okay, it, it's rated R because there's some pretty uh, intense scenes in the movie, and I don't typically see R movies, but this one has a glaring theme in the middle of it that, to me, was worth watching some of the stuff to see the principle, which I think was a profound principle. But I thought it was interesting. This movie was really well shot from a cinematography perspective. Just the coloring and the angles and the shot, if you're into that creative kind of thing, it was pretty brilliantly done. And uh, uh, again, the story, the central part of the story is you don't tell anybody or find out what it's about, but if you see it, you'll go, wow, that was a pretty brilliant idea to do a movie based on this theme at the end. So again, if you haven't seen it and you're going to, don't find out beforehand. But as you see this movie, I I can't help but to realize that the the directors of the movie, who did an amazing job, I'd never heard of them before, 
So I went to pull up their credits. And I didn't see anything good they ever did before the movie. This is my opinion. All due respect to their creative works. We all have different opinions, right, on creative works. But everything before was substandard. This movie was pretty epic. And everything after was substandard. To me, just to me. This is just only my opinion. Uh, Nothing to the level of the book of Eli. And I read an interview, they said, after the book of Eli. Now, I will tell you, when you see the book of Eli, there are... There are clearly things Denzel Washington acted in it, and I believe he believed the character and wanted to do the role for good reason and stepped into the role and did an amazing job, like an Academy Award kind of job. He blew it up. He did great. But the directors, they also agreed to do the movie, but when later on when they were asked anything about the movie and the meaning, they're like, ah, yeah, it doesn't mean anything to us. It just is like a, you know, and you're thinking, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got this opportunity. It came out great. The theme is clear. I think I see why the movie succeeded in what it did because I think the theme in the middle is important and needs to be seen in quality. But all they did is discount it and it was like, yeah, it doesn't mean nothing. And, yeah, just, I'm not going to say the merits of what they said because it'll share the theme. But in other words, God could have got the glory in a second already by the movie and what they said. But instead, they completely discounted and diminished. Does that make sense? And then I, and I looked up, I'm like, how can you do a movie that good and not do any other great movies? Because there's brilliance here. Well, maybe it was like an anointing on what they did that went, went away. Does that make sense? When you don't walk in stewardship. And I believe the Bible tells us the same passage um, that there, if we're faithful with little things, guys, we get to be faithful with greater things. You realize that? That's God's economy. That's God's realm. And so uh, there's a story of a guy who said, Um, you know, Lord, I would do great things for you. I would, but you know, I'm busy, God, you know, and I got a lot of stuff going on. And, you know, to be honest with you, I'm working on my own stuff, but God, here's the deal. If you would just give me, if you would just give me more time and you would give me more talent and you'd give me more treasure, then, then God, I'm going to do great exploits for you. I, I, I will do great stuff for you. And, And God was very moved by the man's prayer. He was very moved. And God said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to bless this man. And he gave him time, and he gave him talent, and he gave him treasure. And then God waited, and God waited, and God waited. And after many years, the man did nothing with these extra endowments. And then God took away the extra time and the talent and the treasure. And the man said, oh, Lord, if you would just give me time and talent and treasure... I will do great exploits for you. And it goes to show the human nature. This is either we get the realm of God, we appreciate and love what he's done for us, our life is a reflection back to him, and we walk in these things, or we just don't really believe it. I mean, we like the idea, but we don't really believe it because we don't really own it. We don't really own stewardship. We, we hear the term Uh, and we don't use it elsewhere in life, but the term, but we don't come under the realm of, no, you are God and I am your son and I will serve you. Jesus said the greatest is a servant. My life will reflect stewardship, God. My life will reflect being a servant. Yes, there will be an accountability. uh, I will be accountable because there will be an accounting given and great are your rewards. I don't do it for the rewards. I do it for your glory and yet know there are great rewards to come. This is what Uh, the Bible says, and it says this, guys, talk about the rewards. I don't know if you've ever pictured this. When you picture God, and it's hard to picture God, God is spirit. We see the Father sent the Son, so Jesus came in human form. 
uh, and the Bible says there was nothing remarkable about him in appearance, okay? So we don't really know what he looks like, different movies and artwork and have come up with ideas, but we don't really know. Um, Jesus would have been a Middle Eastern man from 2,000 years ago, and nothing was that remarkable about him in appearance. So we, we can't really quantify that. And the Spirit is the, 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 the person of the Trinity who is uh, his power and force among us, but he's a person, not a force, and he moves among us. The Bible says, like the wind, Jesus says, you don't know where he comes or where he's going. So Spirit is, even in creation, brooding over the waters, is symbolism. But the Father, we don't have really an image of the Father. We haven't been given one, and uh, we have nothing to quantify that uh, until we see God face to face. But I want you to think of this, because many of us might have a different view of the Father. In fact, some of you, your view of the Heavenly Father, uh, unfortunately for many of us, is, is hindered by our experience with our earthly father. Do you know that? Uh, and earthly fathers have uh, kind of discolored the image of God because God is good all the time. And earthly fathers, they do their best, but some have done great, some have done mediocre, and some have fallen short, right? Okay, so earthly fathers are all over the map. But your heavenly father, who is good, who loves you more than you know, he loves you more than you know. The Bible says this, at this time of Jesus' return, at this time of us stepping out of this realm and stepping into eternity, it's this accountability is given right at this transition into eternity. And it says the wise, the wise stewards are rewarded. And it says the Lord basically smiled, smiled on their faithfulness. I want you to get a picture of the Lord smiling literally smiling on your faithfulness. And he says, come and share, share in the master's happiness. In other words, you got to picture this, guys. You got to picture the Lord looking down at you when you use the gifts and talents and resources he gave you and you start to walk this stuff out and be selfless with him for his glory, either building the kingdom or building God's people or sharing his glory. He smiles on you. And when he sees you face to face, he's like, come over here. Come over here. Share in the master's happiness. The father beaming on you with an ear-to-ear smile and you also smiling because you're sharing in the happiness. I don't know if you've ever gotten that image before, but this is the image of the the accountability day. It's not a, "Uh uh-oh, I'm busted. It's a, yes, this is epic. And you share in the Father's happiness. He's smiling on you. You're smiling on him. You're sharing in the Master's happiness. Abundance of joy. Abundance of overwhelming happiness. In the presence of God. Because you know you lived your life with purpose. You know you lived your life with aim. You know you lived your life with intentionality. You know you lived your life believing God at his word in the gifting that he gave you, and you know that you invested in a way to make God smile, not perfectly, but intentionally, amen? Not perfectly, but intentionally. And that's why a good decision today is maybe better than a perfect one in five years from now. You step into investing for God's glory now, immediately, not, yeah, maybe someday when I find the perfect, no, you don't do that. And this is how you share in the master's happiness. And it says he w- you will be rewarded and promoted and put in charge of many things. Now, guys, this is crazy because no one can get their head around what this looks like because the Bible says no eye is seen, no ear is heard, no hearts imagine what God has in store for those who love him. We can't even quantify or figure it out or crack the code. But eternity is a long, long time and life is really, really short. 
okay? And in that realm, we're not limited to this earth suit. So we're gonna, all our capacity and limitations are gonna go away in heaven. They're gonna go away in heaven. What we know in part, we will know fully just as we are fully known. The realm is, you can't even compare the realms. So some people are living for this realm as if it's the only realm and it's so short-sighted. Live for God's glory here and now in the fullness, but the next realm is epic and monumental. And this passage is saying, God is going to reward you that in this next realm, he's going to actually put you in charge, in charge of many, many things. And you're thinking, what does that look like that God is going to put me in charge of stuff in eternity? I mean, that's a wild concept. I don't even know who could even begin to crack that one uh, because no eye has seen or ear has heard. But the bottom line is, while the Father is smiling on you and you're sharing in his happiness, there's a holy moment. In fact, this would be great if the worship team comes up. Um, as you're sharing in the happiness with the Lord, he's like, I got rewards for you that are going to rock your world. And somehow in eternity, he's going to put you in charge of many, many things. Um, so that's our last point this morning is, is, is number six is great are my rewards when I faithfully invest for God's glory. Great, great, great arm. I mean, how great, insanely great in eternity. That's a major upgrade. I can't even tell you. It's not like going from the back of the plane to first class, guys. This is like some upgrade on a whole nother level. Uh, this is some upgrade that lasts forever. It's eternity. And, and you can't even imagine how good it is. But God says, I got nothing but upgrade for you. If you're a faithful servant, if you're faithful with little things, I'll let you be faithful with greater things. I believe he even does that on earth. If we're faithful with little things, he will level us up in our stewardship. And really quickly, the verse 24, I'm going to close this out really quick. And this is, everyone wasn't wise. Not everybody was a wise servant. Not everybody really recognized it was from God. Not everybody realized recognized it. But it says this in verse 24, the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I, know that you, I knew that you were a hard man in harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. By the way, the Bible does not say anything like that about God. The Bible says the opposite about God. But this is what this man believed. He didn't believe the word of God. He believed his own version of what he thought about God completely outside of scripture. Verse 25, so I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I... That, that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Question mark. That's a rhetorical question. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let me just tell you, this is not a salvation question. We come by faith through grace, amen? Not by works and investing. However, this is in, very in, indicative of children of God who truly are in Christ, who truly do have a Lord. This is simply what we do as a matter of stewardship. They will know us by our fruits, the Bible says. And so those who had a genuine faith had fruit in their life. This guy didn't know the word of God. He clearly didn't know God. He had no relationship with God. Otherwise, he would have understood God's nature. He would have expected what he was called to do in life. He would have understood it. He was completely removed and had a totally skewed view of who God does. There's many people in the world who have their own idea about God, but they've never checked in with truth of scripture to know what his nature is. 
So the last man had no idea who the master really was. He actually blamed God for the things that had nothing to do with God's character. He ignored that he was going to be accountable someday. He lived by fear instead of living by faith. He was lazy instead of taking initiative, and he buried his talents instead of investing them. And that is not somebody who's in the kingdom in the first place. The Bible does equate laziness with wickedness, which is a kind of alarming description. That laziness is, we feel is optional, and the Lord's like, no, 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 no. Wise servants get with it. They jump in. They, they immediately, at once, they, they take initiative. They pray and try to do the best decision now instead of some perfect one in years to come. And I just want to close in prayer right now and ask God to seal some of these matters of, sir, uh, of stewardship in our heart. Uh, somebody once said that uh, stewardship is, is kind of this. It's uh, your talent is God's gift to you, but what you do with your talent is your gift to God. And when you turn it back at God and do things for his glory and make him smile, that is a very simple description of aim and mission in life quite simply to love God and love our neighbor and take what he gave us and use it for his glory. Not very complicated, but that's kind of a thesis overview of life. What am I here for? What am I here for, God? To love God and to love others and to take what he gave you and to help shine it for the glory of God. And there's going to be accountability one day of how we did with these things. And we want to, we want to jump into the things that he's entrusted us with. And so I just want to close with the last thought, guys. And that is specifically the Lord smiling on you. I want you to leave here today thinking, Lord, you've given me some stuff, but out of all of it, number one, what's going to make you smile the most? I want you to smile. And, and when I make you smile, you're smiling on me, but I'm smiling back at you. And you're smiling on me, then I'm smiling at you, that you're smiling on me. And you get to share in the master's happiness. What among you, what, what in your gift set, talents, resources, can you step into that's going to make the Lord smile? Start there. Start there and start immediately because this is how we become wise stewards and walk in these things for God's glory. Let's close in prayer this morning. Can we just stand together, family? Um, mighty God, we just come before you as your sons and daughters, Lord. Thank you that you show us what the kingdom is like. You show us the blessings, the opportunities. You show us what's expected of those who live in the kingdom, Lord. Uh, I know messages like this, sometimes they shake us because they are close to our heart. There's a lot of things close to our heart, but you're just telling us, Lord, uh, that Lord means that you're on top of everything and we're not. Lord means we already surrender to you. Uh, Lord means that I am not my own. I've been bought with a price and the life I now live, I live by Christ who died and gave himself for me. That's what Lord really means. Uh, and so, Lord, I just pray this morning, Lord, if there's any of us here this morning that haven't fully surrendered to your lordship, and now would be the time. And if that's you, just in the privacy of your own heart, say, Lord, I'm getting off the throne. It's time. I'm putting you on it. You're the king. I'm not. You're the Lord. I'm not. You're the master. I'm not. Thanks for dying for my sins. I turn and follow you. I believe by faith. Put your spirit in me. Lead me and guide me. I want to live for your glory. If you said that, come up and share that with our prayer team. Our prayer team is going to come up here after the service. We want to help you get your first steps in intimacy with God and traction in your faith. And Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, we're here because we're honoring you. We're here because we're keeping holy the Sabbath. We're here because we love the family of believers. We're here because we need to be edified and built up. But Lord, 
We're here because we want to make you smile. Show us how to make you smile, God. Not just exist, not just cope. Show us how to make you smile. Show us how to live for your glory, Lord. It is in that zone. That's the zone of blessing. That is the realm of God's providence and provision and God's reward. We want to live in that zone, God. So show us how, lead us how. We thank you for that. By faith, we ask these things in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen, amen, guys. Praise God. Hey, so... um, This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.